At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Minnesota Tim podcast. Minnesota Tim Parashka with you on Facebook. So let's begin by talking about the first half. Where else can you start except for talking about that first half? Because that was the worst half of football. You can't really say this season because the Vikings played terribly against the Dallas Cowboys. It was eerily similar um, first half against the Dallas Cowboys because uh, that game wasn't even close. They lost 40-3, to and um, they just got trounced from the beginning. The Dallas Cowboys could do whatever they wanted to do against the Minnesota Vikings, and that's how it felt playing against the Indianapolis Colts. It seemed like they could do whatever they wanted offensively. And the mistakes the Vikings were making were on special teams. They were on offense, and they were on defense. All three different phases of the game, the Vikings made crucial mistakes in the first half. Cousins threw a pick six. Uh, When they punted, they got blocked, and they returned it for a touchdown. Um, The fourth and one call on on offense. Dalvin Cook got stuffed up the middle. The play before C.J. Ham got stuffed. And nothing could go right for the Vikings' offense, defense, or uh, special teams. Plus, there were some calls from the officials that were questionable. I will get that to that in a little bit. And it just seemed like whatever could go wrong in the first half went wrong for the Minnesota Vikings. And, I mean, sometimes storms like that just happen in the NFL, and that was an example of a storm that just surged on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, second half, Kirk Cousins unleashed in the second half. And K.J. Osborne was spectacular. 157 receiving yards. Justin Jefferson was also spectacular. 123 receiving yards. And he was just getting crushed, absolutely annihilated by so many different cornerbacks from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Stephon Gilmore took a cheap shot against Justin Jefferson. I think he had to leave the game a couple of different times because of concussion protocol worries, and he was able to come back into the game, thank goodness. Um, Also, one more note. I didn't have this on my list of notes, but something that I found very strange throughout that game, 
is that the Minnesota Vikings uh, play in a controlled environment. It was, what, 72 degrees, 70 degrees, or whatever it is, inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Patrick Peterson went out a couple of times. Christian Derrissaw went out a couple of times. K.J. Osborne went out a couple of times. Justin Jefferson went out a couple of times. I think he was because of a concussion. But these other guys went out of the game multiple times because of uh, cramp issues? It's not like they were playing in 100-degree weather on the field constantly throughout that entire game. What was going on with the Minnesota Vikings cramping problems at the end of the game? I, I just thought that was an interesting note. Um, something I do want to touch on in the second half. So the officials were very much controversial in that second half because there were so many different calls. And I'm an official. I used to officiate a lot of basketball games, a high school, middle school, and officials aren't perfect. And I think everyone understands that officials aren't perfect. But when it comes to the NFL, I think fans are so blinded they are so biased at how officials should officiate games your team gets away with the holding call but you don't you don't see it but another team gets away with the holding call and you it it just stands out like the sun shining down on the earth you cannot help but avoid just how obvious this holding call was and it's something about being on twitter when the minnesota vikings uh get a call against them and fans go absolutely berserk and that's what we saw in that second half um, during the Minnesota Vikings Indianapolis Colts game and there was a call that happened it was the original um, play where the receiver got stuffed and he was trying to battle a couple of yards and the defenders were pulling against him and the official called forward progress and the guy fumbled and Shannon Sullivan picked it up and ran into the end zone and it was a frustrating call defensively Um, It was controversial. Fans were upset. Fans were pissed off, PO'd, and I get the call. I understand that call. I didn't like the call, but I understood the call, okay? I didn't like the call, but I understood uh, the call. It could have gone either direction. The official does not know that that receiver is going to fumble the ball after he blew the call dead. It was a bang-bang play. However, later on in that game, when the Indianapolis Colts running back fumbled the ball with just about four minutes left in that game, when he fumbled the ball and Shannon Sullivan picked it up and ran into the end zone, that was the worst call I think I've ever seen in the history of the NFL, maybe in the history of sports, because that running back was nowhere near that ground. And when the running back is nowhere near the ground and forward progress isn't in play, you need to let that play play out as long as possible. And if his knee or elbow or shin hits the ground, you can always go back to instant replay. Sorry, I'm kind of yelling here. But you can always go back to instant replay and change the call and mark him down. But it's 36-28 to at this point. Shannon Sullivan picks it up, runs into the end zone. It was an amazing defensive play at the perfect time because there was only a few minutes left. The Vikings just scored a touchdown. You don't know if they're going to get the ball back again. They get the ball back. They score a touchdown, and they wave it off. They wave off the touchdown. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, it's a touchdown. Maybe they tie the game. 
But if they don't get the two-point conversion here, well, then they'll have time to get the football back, kick a field goal, and maybe win the game by one point. But they wave off the touchdown, mark him down, and they review it. They give the ball to the Vikings, and then I think that eventually led to uh, I think it led to a Minnesota Vikings punt because the Jalen Rager play was the possession before. Let me touch on that one a little bit. Jalen Rager might not ever see an offensive snap again this season or in the playoffs for the Minnesota Vikings. That play, when he stopped running his route, was utterly ridiculous. That is something, that, that that's the cardinal sin as a wide receiver in the NFL. You cannot do that. That is hanging out the quarterback and letting him dry. That is the worst thing you can do as a wide receiver. And that's the worst thing you can do if you're Jalen Rager. Okay, Justin Jefferson does it. It's a mistake. Everyone forgets about it. TJ Hawkinson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne. It's a mistake. Maybe they forget about it. But when you are on the cusp of playing time and you stop running your route when Kirk Cousins throws you a deep ball, the play after Justin Jefferson leaves the field with an injury and you stop your route and it's, in, it's an interception. And at this point, there's seven or eight or nine minutes left. The score is 36 to 21. And if the Minnesota Vikings make any more mistakes, that could be the ball game. And when he, Kirk Cousins threw that interception when Jalen Rager stopped his route, I thought that was the ball game. I thought the game was over at that point. I didn't turn it off. And you know, it's funny. I didn't think the game was over at that. I, I did think the game was over at that point, excuse me. But when it was 36 to seven in the second half, I turned towards my wife. And I said, you know, the Vikings do have a slight chance of pulling this up because they had the ball. They're about to score a touchdown. It was 36 to 14. And what flashed back to me was the Buffalo Bills game. The Vikings were down, were down by 17 points in the fourth uh, in the fourth quarter. I know they were down 27 to 10 at one point, and then Dalvin Cook ran in the long touchdown. I think that was at the end of the third quarter. But I got Buffalo Bills flashbacks. If the Vikings can get it 36 to 14 entering the fourth quarter, which they did, then they they have a very slim chance of pulling it off. But there is a chance because the Indianapolis Colts, you can see, are fluttering offensively and defensively. They're playing a prevent defense. They lost all aggressiveness in the second half, and they played a defense resembling the Minnesota Vikings' Ed Donatell defense. And that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of the Buffalo Bills' comeback. By the way, I missed the Farb to Greg Lewis touchdown. I missed the Minneapolis miracle Case Keenum to Stefan Diggs. And I missed the Buffalo Bills miracle, the, the, the Vikings miracle against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo this season. I've missed all three of those miracle games, but I saw live the largest comeback in NFL history. The curse is broken. The Minnesota Vikings miracle in Minneapolis, part three, because he got Canem to Diggs, and then he got New London Spicer touchdown to uh, um, uh, as a miracle state championship high school football. And now you got the largest comeback in NFL history, down 33-0 to zero at halftime after nothing was going the Minnesota Vikings way. I got a comment here from Sam Kugler that I want to pull up. I haven't read it yet. Today was the thousandth game for the Minnesota Vikings. Depressing to start, nail-biter in the end. Biggest comeback in NFL history and a field goal to win it. 
As someone who bleeds purple and gold, honestly, I couldn't think of a more fitting way to clinch the division. Skull Vikings. Now, that's a great comment from Sam. Now, throughout that game in overtime, and maybe other people had this on their mind too, but I definitely had this on my mind. I'm thinking, okay, the Minnesota Vikings can win the division with a tie. And when they stopped the Indianapolis Colts and they had a punt and there's like a minute something and change remaining in the game, I was thinking, okay, as long as Cousins doesn't throw an interception or as long as the Minnesota Vikings do not commit a turnover on this possession, they can tie and win the division. Although at the same time, I turn towards my wife and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to think after a game that just went almost – well, it did go 70 minutes if it was a tie. It went 70 minutes in a Vikings win at the end at the end of game winning field goal. But what am I supposed to think at the end? What are the players supposed to think at the end? They tied. They didn't win, they didn't lose. But yet they won the division. What kind of crappy celebration is that going to be? I just think that would be a crummy crappy celebration. Uh you can leave a comment on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Um, the Minnesota Tim pages, wherever you are listening. And uh, I can pull it up just like Sam Kugler's comment here. Thousandth Minnesota Vikings game. What a crazy atmosphere that had to be at U.S. Bank Stadium. You watch the first half and the fans are booing on every single offensive possession. I mean, that was as boo-worthy as I've ever seen in an NFL game, the Vikings offense three and out cousins had less than I think 60 yards passing in the first half. And he threw for a career long career, most 460 passing yards, 34 for 54, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Last week, Kevin O'Connell said that Kirk cousins willed was trying to will the Minnesota Vikings to a victory over the Detroit Lions, and he did that today against the Indianapolis Colts. What an um, an unbelievable game! KJ Osborne was energized. Delvin the Delvin Cook screen pass when he took it, I don't know, 65, 70 yards for a touchdown. Um, massive play. I mean, tied the game eventually with a two point conversion. But as Cook was running the ball, I couldn't help but think. You need to hold on to the football because how many times have we seen Dalvin Cook get stripped from behind just like he did in the first half, and he was so close to the end zone, and Dalvin Cook always runs with a little chicken wing. His arm is always just a little bit out, just like Adrian Peterson, and he has a tendency to cough up the football after massive plays. Okay, he has a tendency to cough up the football. So my worry was that he was going to let go of the football when he got close to the end zone, but he held on to it. And then another thought I had during this game. So it's 36 to uh, 34 at this point after Dalvin Cook's long screen pass touchdown, uh, which he took to the house. It's 36 to 34. My question for you is this, and you can comment wherever you're listening. You can comment, say yes, say no. I want some comments from this question. Would you rather go for two to try to tie the game, make it 36-36, 
Or would you rather have the score be 36-35 and you're depending on Greg Joseph's leg to tie the game at 36 with, I don't think they had any timeouts left remaining at that point of the game. So you don't make that two-point conversion. You don't kick that field goal. You miss it if it was a one-point game. That game's over. I would rather trust Kirk Cousins and the offense after what they did in the second half than Greg Joseph's leg on a 38-yard extra point field goal. Because how many times have we seen Greg Joseph miss a field goal, an extra point specifically, near the end of a game when uh, when we needed Greg Joseph to make it? And the offense was rolling. They were just dominant in that second half. And the Colts' defense was weak. We got Sam Kugler. He voted go for two. Yeah, I would rather have the score be 36-34 than 36-35 depending on uh, Greg Joseph's leg. Um, any other comments you are more than welcome to make? Uh, any other – I'm, I'm looking through my notes here of this game. Um, Vikings defense, okay. In the second half, they only allowed three points. And it's hard because the first half the Colts scored 33 points, but how much of that – was on the defense. Now, the defense was giving up a lot of yards. Matt Ryan was finding receivers in the seam. In the first half, it looked like the uh, Detroit Lions game all over again when Jared Goff just destroyed the Vikings defense. But you had the punt block for a touchdown. That's seven points. You had Kirk Cousins pick six. That's seven points. There's 14. Um, I mean, that's about half their points in the first half. And then you had the fourth and one where the Vikings uh, got stuffed up the gut while they're already in field goal range. I think they kicked a field goal on that play. So at 17, half of the Indianapolis Colts and the points in the first half came from offensive errors from the Minnesota Vikings. So how bad was the Vikings defense in the first half? Not as bad as what the naked eye thinks. And in the second half, they were locked down. It's interesting because Matt Ryan, he was a part of the 28-3 meltdown against the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, and people were not hesitant to bring up the fact that he just lost 33-0, the largest comeback in NFL history, and the Minnesota Vikings are now NFC North division champions in Kevin O'Connell's first season. Now, takeaways from the Vikings game. How can we use this going forward? Well, I would not advise getting down 33-0 against the Giants and orchestrating a comeback. However, there are a lot of things offensively that we can take away from this game. You can rely on Kirk Cousins' arms to get it done. Kirk has been absolutely 100% clutch in every single game. The Vikings are now 10-0 in one-score games this season. A lot of that is luck. A lot of that is by chance. But a lot of it is skill, too. And Kirk Cousins, he was gunning the ball down the stretch, and he has been gunning the ball this entire season. He has been nothing short of spectacular. 460 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. I love me some Kirk Cousins. And um, and uh, any other takeaways? Um, well, the San Francisco 49ers, I think, are – they have one more loss than us. I think they're 10 and 4. And now the Minnesota Vikings are 11 and 3. 
And that second seed is important because what they've said is that if the Vikings are able to um, hold on to that second seed, they're guaranteed two home playoff games because in the playoffs, only the top team has the bye now. There's seven playoff teams. Only the top team has the bye, which will go to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles unless they have a season end meltdown, uh, which I don't think is going to happen. They're probably the best team in football right now. So it is important for the Minnesota Vikings to get home field advantage, especially since they play so many close games this season, especially because the defense has struggled in so many games this season. Home field advantage is massive on uh, for the defense, for the offense, and you've seen the execution offensively change when there's crowd noise, uh, and that impacts the Minnesota Vikings offense, and you've seen that throughout the season. So massive win for the Vikings next week at home against the Giants and then on the road against the Packers and Bears. Before this game, at halftime of this game, my thought was, wow, is it possible for the Vikings to lose their four remaining games? Is it possible for the Vikings to lose their four remaining games? And the Lions win their four remaining games and the Minnesota Vikings lose out potentially. Now, I don't remember how tiebreakers work. It might be based on division record. Um, could potentially lose out on the NFC North. Now, that would have been only a collapse that a Minnesota sports team could put together. Well, I think that's all I've got on the Minnesota Tim Podcast. If you're watching on Facebook, on YouTube, or wherever you are currently watching, um, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much for making the Minnesota Tim Podcast part of your day. If you want to hear more of these podcasts, go to the podcast app on the Minnesota Tim page. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think the Minnesota Tim Podcast is on Google. You can go to the Minnesota Tim Podcast, search it on Google, and um, and then you can listen to even more episodes of the Minnesota Tim Podcast. Everyone, thank you for taking making the Minnesota Tim Podcast a part of your day. I greatly appreciate it. I got one more comment from Sam. The difference this year is that it feels like the team believes through thick and thin we have found a way. That is what makes the difference. That is what was missing in the last few years with Zimmer. The culture has changed to match the fan base, and I can't disagree with that. The only time I would disagree with that maybe is that during the first half, uh, players were hanging their heads. Uh, I mean – how can you not hang your head? You're down 33 to zero. And one, one and one more quick note that, 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 that sparks the thought in my head. You know, it's a lose-lose for players in those situations when you're down 33 to zero. You get excited and you're just going to react like, why are you excited for? You're down 33 to zero. You hang your heads and fans are going to think, well, they don't care. So it's really a lose-lose. How can you get overly excited and get ripped and then you hang your head because you're down 33 to zero and get ripped. It's really a lose lose by the player. And in the first half, they got ripped by the announcers for Nate Burleson, former Minnesota Viking great. They got ripped by the announcers for hanging their head, feeling bad for themselves. And uh, I mean, second half, they came out and played the best football of the season. And it's hard to argue otherwise because they scored 36 points in the second half and three points in overtime. Uh, that's all I got for the Minnesota Tim Podcast. Everyone, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Dolphins versus Bills tonight. 
supposed to be a massive snowfall. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.